Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers. Uh, it's inevitable, isn't it? This one's going to be about ego. The name of the podcast, Egos. And I want to discuss this article that came out. Mostly the reason I want to discuss this article, and excuse the squeaky chair, I'll have to oil it up. Um, get some of that massage oil. The main reason that I want to talk, <laughs> the main reason that I want to talk about uh, this article is because the biggest feedback that we got from people about it was that they got about two paragraphs in and gave up. So for anybody who hasn't read the article that's causing a bit of a furore, which is fun to say and hard to get out uh, so late, um, is because of this article. And I'm going to go through why, if you haven't read it, don't. Uh, mostly because I'm going to go through the whole thing on the podcast. I'm not going to read it out like an audiobook because I wouldn't want my name attributed to the words that it says, to be honest. Um, but yeah, a pretty shocking piece. And I don't mean that in the content of it, which was shocking in itself. When I read through it, the number one words, and this is the feedback that you'll see online, it's, I'm not unique in saying this, is, you know, looking at sources. But like, I'm specifically going to point out in the podcast, like the amount, I, I was going to put in quotes from the Truman Show where he goes, who are you talking to? I was going to put that in, but I'd have to play it so much that it'd get annoying. I was going to put in um, Robert De Niro in Taxi, where he says, you're talking to me? But again, uh, funny, maybe first time, funny, second time, wearing off, third time. And by the 57th time of going through this article and, and playing that bit, um, not only would I get done for copyright infringement, but I'd also get slammed by people listening to the podcast who turn it off because they just can't listen to the quote anymore. It is quite shocking the stuff that's released because I've often want to um, address Skip Bayless or, you know, some of these BS shows that are out there where, you know, people have created these great YouTube videos where it's Skip Bayless versus Skip Bayless and they have him arguing against himself because he doesn't really know what his own opinion is. Now, I look back in the days of, of journalism like, you know, Christopher Hitchens, I guess, who'd have those sort of long-form polemic pieces, uh, George Orwell, who'd come out with essays and all the rest. And then you get to the tribe that we have now. I mean, look, and it's not only um, nowadays. I mean, you know, this has been going on for a very long time and it's reputable news sources. Now, I'm not talking about the American fake news of Fox and CNN and all these, you know, bipartisan news outlets i'm sorry like i saw a, an article on sky recently that was talking about the new game of thrones and it was said uh oh you know first don't first episode is going to be shocking or something and i was like jesus i thought they were very tight-lipped about what they released and didn't release when game of thrones i can't believe they've sort of you know pre-released some of this stuff to journalists they can't hold their whiz so when i read the piece it was from you know some some broadcaster guy who does the after show um, of Game of Thrones and he's like they call him a super fan and he'd nothing to go on apart from the fact that he thinks it's going to be shocking and that made it into a news article you know and I just find that kind of reporting like just vacuous like what what are we reading I can't small talk you know the best of times and I really hate lack of information it's just something within me personally and I know I'm not alone I know an awful lot of people are like that but I remember one of my mates said to me before uh 
you know, we put ourselves through college working in bars and working late nights and all the rest. And there was a, and it was oftentimes the people that you worked with was the only people that would get you through sometimes because it was just such a, you know, ball busting job. And I wasn't working one day and he, he, he comes up to me and he says, hey, you know, the new girl who, who started, she's just like you. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, she just doesn't say anything but that if it's not direct. And it's it's that same sort of thing that I can't stand personally too much BS of small talk and talk about sort of speculation and all the rest, which is why this article about the egos really grinds my gears. Now, of course, everybody focuses on the salacious. There, there's a thing in it that talks about Mike McCarthy, which I'll get onto when I'm going through the article, right, about him getting a massage instead of going to meetings. And they make it sound seedy too because they talk about him like you know, you're one creeping up the steps and all this type of stuff, right? Now, McCarthy's came out since and just debunked it and said, like, I don't even know what this article is. I don't know how to respond. It's so wrong. Um, now, I'm going to go through. I don't disagree with the article in places or I find merit in some of it. So it's not just going to be a trash sesh where I'm going through sort of saying it's all balls. But, you know, let's be clear from the start here. An awful lot of this is balls. And this isn't me being a fanboy, you know? Um, looking at the the organization and trying to come to everybody's defense I, I will literally pick out from a journalistic standpoint exactly what's going on now again i'm not speaking as not a third here and i know the sort of the erosion of uh, news outlets is the the prevalence of blogs and podcasts and you know people us included um who will bring out stuff and i don't know i just feel that you should have a if you're getting paid to do it, I, I get... Well, if you're doing it anyway, I guess you should have some responsibility to your listeners uh, to have properly researched stuff and not just come out with a load of balls. Um, but certainly if you're getting paid to do it, you'd expect the integrity of an article to be higher. Now, I also understand that some people don't want to put their names to things, but if that's the case, you have to draw up whether you want to, you know, release that stuff or just keep a lid on it. And if you're coming out with stuff like saying that Aaron Rodgers says that Mike McCarthy had the lowest IQ, football IQ, and he doesn't even say football IQ, by the way, he says IQ, uh, that he's ever worked with. I mean, it's pretty sharp stuff. So to come out with stuff like that and not have someone put their name to it, um, to me would strike as being told something and going, damn, can't, can't say that now, even though I know it to be true because you trust your source. The fact that you can't say it. And a bit of a caveat on sources, and this is kind of where I'm coming from, Every single year, we get approached by somebody uh, who's a source, right, based in the UK, and it's always different people, and they always preface it by saying, listen, I'm close to the organization, or I'm close to the committee over here, or I'm close to NFL UK, and we always get fed some BS about how the Packers are coming this year. Now, have you ever seen us release any of that information? No. Has it ever come through? No. Because that's the thing, like these sources will come out and say, oh yeah, I don't know, I know a guy who who says this thing, and oh, I've been talking to the Packers and this is what they, like, give me a break, all right? And that's why you can have sources who tell you stuff and you've got to make A, the judgment call whether you believe the source, and B, if you do, do they know? You might trust them, will it come true? Will you mislead people if you do it? Perhaps. Um, but anyway, before I get into the piece, I have to kick it off with the Packers limerick. It's only right to get into the jokey stuff before I get into the more serious stuff. So let me kick it off with a bit of bit of Paddy music. I can say that because I'm a Paddy. Here we go. Another day, another massage scandal. McCarthy's Rogers egos too big to handle. And a piece with no sources, apart from Genix and Finley horseshit. 
but to Bob Craft's visit, McCarthy's doesn't hold a candle. Right, <laughs> so here we go. First off, let me just preface this piece, and this is what I always say. I'm quite well aware of my ignorance, all right? So if I don't know something, I'll always say, but what do I know? I'm a paddy. Um, and I think that there's an awful lot of salt that needs to be taken with an article like this. The, the true story is no one knows what goes on behind closed doors, and even people who are involved in a certain situation will have different realities, right? So you can have two people who'll talk to each other and they'll get two vastly different things from that conversation. So you can even have two people who were there um, who don't exactly know what went on. And what I find about this piece, and I'm going to go through it now, for all the people that haven't read it or have read it and want to critique, I'll give that to you now. Um, an awful lot of this stuff of like, he says in it very early on, and those who saw would say, you know, or those who saw say, like that's conjecture, that's signs of someone who's talking to themselves. It's the equivalent of someone on Facebook who says, people always ask me. Anybody who says, people always ask me, and they are not a famous person who gets interviewed on the reg, well then you best believe that nobody asks them. And that's their way of saying, let me tell you some stuff that I want to tell you and just preface it by saying, people always ask me. I guarantee you they don't. Nothing was more... Uh, I don't know, cringy for me when this came up. And it's kind of that, that bs meter, right? Is that I had a, a close friend on Facebook and she used to come out with some real clangers. And one of them was, <laughs> I'm still laughing to think about it. Peep, uh, she says this, Peep, in her status, people always ask me how I stay so strong. And I say, and so I just DM'd her and I said, yo, who asked you and who does be asking you how you stay so strong? And she says, well, no one says it, but I just wanted to tell people. And I'm like, oh, all right. Now, I've got no problem, all right? And I'm, and I'm such an advocate for mental health. And if, you know, if she's talking about being strong and she wants to give people advice, that's perfectly okay. If she's struggling, well, then that's perfectly okay. Now, I'll, I'll say this, that she's a good mate of mine. And she didn't have any sort of major problems like that. We were close enough to talk and all the rest. So I wasn't belittling her if she had an illness or any anything of that sort. It wasn't even close. But she just wanted to give someone some sort of like shallow nugget of wisdom. And A, it's a disservice to somebody who you know, is really struggling, I guess. B, I can see the benefit of telling a phrase that might help you and help somebody else. That's perfectly fine. That's, you know, anxiety, depression, all that type of stuff is very close to my heart. And I really would love people to talk more about it and remove that stigma. Um, you know, and the reason I bring it up is because when I go through this article, an awful lot of this stuff is, I don't know, it's... Let me start and highlight it. So first off... Um, Bleacher Report, Tyler Dunn article, it's called What Happened in Green Bay, and it's about how uh, he says that a source says, oh, you should call it how the Eagles destroyed the Packers or whatever, right? I'll get on to the exact quote now, so don't do it. Um, any more of a disservice. So, first off, he says, a checked out coach, a tuned out QB, a soap opera where there should have been a dynasty, and those who saw the Aaron Rodgers... Now, so you stop there and you say, and those who saw who... Who saw? Because what he does is he's, he sort of prefaces the article an awful lot. He goes into it and says, those who saw, and you're like, well, who saw? Who's who's saying this? He said that the Rogers McCarthy wreckage up close and say that we didn't know the half of it. So he said those who saw it would say that. So who saw? And later, just two paragraphs down, he says, he tries to pinpoint exactly where stuff went wrong. And he goes, you know, you could go to 2015 or earlier to 2013, or earlier 2010. 
and he goes back and he says, those who observe this relationship from the beginning say you have to keep going. Who? Who are they? Who's, who's, who told you that you need to keep going for the relationship? Because let's face it, the only thing that we actually saw was what we saw on TV. What you might read into in interviews. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm the biggest dude for going, I'm not into body language, but, and then coming into, because basically that's the only scraps that you have. Now, if the only thing that we have to go on is a few tiffs that we see of people getting heated on a field um, in 2017, then again in 2013, then again in 2010, I think one uh, visible argument every maybe three to four years, <laughs> two to three years, if you want to be dramatic about it, is pretty damn good, especially when you're dealing with sports. It's emotional. Uh, people are putting their bodies on the line. Uh, millions of dollars are on the line. You get injured, you know, you get turfed out. That's it, your career's over. Um, you know, the stakes are high, even though, let's face it, I'm talking about it and I envelop an awful lot of my time in it. It's a silly sport, so who cares? These people entertain us and they get millions. And then you'll have doctors and, you know, everybody else and all that sort of, you know, good stuff out there who don't get paid as much. So let's just face it, it's... Who did who quoted it said something like it's a bunch of adults getting paid to play paid to play a kid's game and that's exactly what it is. But that said, we are dealing with catastrophic injuries. One where when these players go to doctors, the doctor says, "I haven't seen this type of injury until like when I was looking at car crashes. That's when these injuries would come in. They're really blunt, um, catastrophic injuries where a muscle is being torn from the bone." Um, and that's a quote from. Um, a Dallas tight end that was on Sky he was talking about how he was getting trashed around like one argument every two years is pretty good in fact and this is speaking from experience you will blast through three arguments within two minutes if you try to teach your missus how to drive <laughs> alright if you get into a car with your wife or your wife with your husband or whoever right to make it all PC you get into the car um, it's fraught with tension and you kill each other and that's what happens so why would playing the sport be any different? So this kind of trying to pinpoint when the relationship went wrong is kind of a moot point. And trying to look at when Aaron Rodgers turned around and said that's a stupid effing play on the TV. You know, you kind of go, yeah, okay. So they argued from time to time. That's quite normal. Now, do I think there was tension between the two of them? Yeah, I do. I definitely do. And I think that was... Um, evident in how the audibles were going on and the actual sources that were named of players coming out and saying that he'd say Rollies like Mercedes Lewis come out which is the reason why I actually was surprised that Mercedes Lewis got re-signed it goes to show that there's a change in the guard he was coming out saying that Aaron Rodgers would roll his eyes and change the play and all the rest so we have that from the mouths of players so th that's something that we, we can say but to go back and try pinpoint the play so it's catastrophizing a bit in a way this article from the get-go kind of trying to sort of say you know the relationship is bad or oh, it goes all the way back and one of the reasons why it says it goes all the way back was he was saying that you know Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator of the Niners when Aaron Rodgers was going to be drafted he didn't draft Aaron Rodgers and he's told he came out and starts saying um, you know that Alex Smith was a better quarterback right so first off you'd have to be pretty naive to think that the offensive coordinator picks the players does he have input yes of course does he pick the player at the end of the day? No. How do we know? Brian Gudekun said it. Right? So he comes out and he was asked about the process when he became general manager. What was it like with Ted and how much power would you have and how much power are you going to wield and how much do you listen to your team? And he says, the veto comes to me. It all falls on me. 
that that's a mechanism for a couple of reasons number one is that he takes the flack if it goes wrong so he could be delegating that to somebody else and then if it goes wrong he could say well my bad and hold his hands up like a good leader and take the blame um, and also it could be the truth right and from all of the books that we have out there that, that talk about general managers and how to make the decisions it usually comes down to the general manager if you have some really wily owners which we do not have which people try to attribute to mark murphy for some reason um if you have really wily sort of rich owners who own the team and they come in and try to sort of muscle their way in well then that can cause some conflict of interest and then they choose based on the player we see that in english football as well um but when it comes down to you know aaron Rodgers having a chip on his shoulder and that was always sort of a something that festered between the two of them since then um i think everybody has enough vested interest to not let that crap get in the way and also not be naive enough to think that it was all Mike McCarthy's fault now I tried to look for that video or that quote where Mike McCarthy talked about Alex Smith I couldn't find it so I don't know whether I take the author of the article at face value and to say okay he said it um but I don't know whether it was said before they were drafted or whether it was said it was after if it was after well then it completely makes sense that he would say that the quarterback that they just selected would be better than the quarterback that they passed up on. Now, can you imagine it being the opposite way around? That they drafted Alex Smith and Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator for the Niners and he comes out and starts waxing lyrical about how Aaron Rodgers is even better. I mean, give me a break. I mean, is that going to happen? So it's a bit of a BS narrative. Um, so then they talk about, uh, you know, that they made the playoffs eight years in a row. And then it says, but this should have been a Patriots-like reign. Says who? Like, why do we always assume that we have Aaron Rodgers so we should be winning the Super Bowl? Do I think he's good enough to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, of course. But an awful lot of things happen. Like, if you look at that 15-1 season and we got pasted by the Giants, I mean, that happens. You know, like, if football is football. It's never guaranteed. And that's why the Patriots doing what they're doing is so amazing. And that's why... They're an exception to the rule that they've built a dynasty. If you look at any of the modern teams who had a really good run, the Seahawks who did things right and got back to the Super Bowl, did they win every one of them? No. You know, they got back in fairness to them, but it's easier, you know, it's harder than just coming out with, oh, well, we have a good quarterback, so, you know, it should have been. So that's the quote in the article. You know, one former teammate says he thinks Rodgers should have won a minimum of six Super Bowl rings. So one former teammate who... Who's that teammate? And is that supposed to carry more weight because it was a teammate? You know, I don't understand why you'd even add that in as to as if it was going to carry more weight. And he said a surefire dynasty never was. Nothing is surefire in sports. You know, like what if we'd ran different plays and Aaron Rodgers got injured and got carted off? Like that's not surefire. You're only one tackle away from your whole career being destroyed. So nothing is surefire. And to say that is just feeding in i think to an awful lot of fan narrative too like yeah do i think we could have won an awful lot more super bowls yeah do i think we could have got there of course had we had a better defense and they had got rid of dom capers earlier could it have happened yeah and we would have had more of a chance had that been the case so i'm not blind to the shortcomings but i think that it's a bit rich to say that we should have had a patriots like rain which is a quote that one former teammate says that we should have a minimum six super bowls which is laughable and it was a surefire dynasty not true Name another dynasty in the NFL, apart from the Patriots recently. And then come back and tell me that, um, you know, the Packers. So what, what are we saying? The Packers should have usurped the Patriots or been battling just the two teams against each other all the time. 
Then it says that uh, Bleacher Report talked to dozens of players, coaches, personnel men, who all shared time in Green Bay with Rodgers and McCarthy in search of an answer. Who are these people? He doesn't go on and name any of them. The only people that are named in the article is Ryan Grant, who says nice things about the two guys. Jermichael Finley, surprise, surprise. And Greg Jennings, surprise, surprise. So I had Greg Jennings on the podcast, and I deliberately didn't go and court any of this controversy because he spouts off quite freely about Rodgers versus Favre. And there's enough people that come to Rodgers' aid. Now, let me preface that by saying that I'm not, again, some fanboy and blind to how it is and Rodgers' tendencies and how he acts and all the rest of that type of stuff. And I don't sort of go, well, here's some guys saying some bad stuff. Here's some guys saying some good stuff. So the good stuff has to be true and the bad stuff has to be false. No, maybe something, some stuff that they say has merit. They did play with the guy, which is more than I've ever done. Of course, but do they have interests in something else? Are they trying to pursue media careers? Are some of them bitter because it ended badly? You know, and I'll go on and sort of query some of that a little bit later in the article too. Um, and again, I see the fact that James Jones talks very nicely of him. That could be A, that he really thinks he's a nice guy and also that he's also in the media. So it's in his best interest to be friendly to Rogers to get the inside scoop, which he did on his contract. And to not sour him because there's different ways to have a media career. One to be a contrarian and the other one to sort of toe the line and get along with people. Um, you know, John Kuhn, Aaron Rodgers could have had mates in a clique and they liked him and they came out in his defense and other people see no benefit from coming out and trashing him. So there's reasons why people come out and say good stuff too. So I'm not blind to the fact that they have a vested interest as well. And I'm not taking their side over the bad stuff. The article goes on and says one ex-Packer scout puts it on both. Who? Who's the Packer scout? A little bit further down, but one former teammate lamenting the colossal what-if makes one point in the past crystal clear. If you're going to write a headline, that it would be right there. How Egos took down the Packers. So apparently he's been giving his headline for the article, which caused the furore by a former teammate who remains nameless, and then a Packer scout who also remains nameless. So like what this sort of bangs to me is, is that, look, I'm not saying that Tyler didn't do a colossal amount of work on this piece. And I think that it could be very valuable in offering us an insight into the inner workings of how stuff goes on. But its credibility is shot because there's so many former teammates, you know, don't worry who it is. One ex-Packer scout says, like, Tyler could have the best intentions whatsoever. And he's been around a long time, but he could be being misled by all of these formers. And if he can't corroborate the evidence, well, then it's very hard to stand behind an article like this. Certainly, I don't feel that I can but you can make up your mind for yourself. Then he goes on and sort of says that at its peak, the Rodgers-McCarthy-Packers offense uh, had a feeling of absolute certainty, and that I fully agree. I mean, you know, Lambo was a fortress, and when you look at our offense, I often talk about it where it'd be a case that Matt Flynn would come in in relief. You know, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't put in a full shift. I'm surprised they paid him a full wage because he'd clock out three quarters of the way through the game, sit on the bench, and let someone else take over. But he talks about that one of the one of the quotes that he and he talks about all the weapons that we had, which were which were dominant, and that's true. Um, and then he says that if you play zone against the Packers, that you know you were toast. That's the problem, and that's where we've struggled lately. Is that they play man against us now, press man, and they know our playbook, and they could call out our plays before we ran them, and that was the problem. So to say, you know, we were unbeatable. You play zone, you die. I mean, that's 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 the point. He's after proving the point there is that we, you know. Teams don't do that against us anymore. We didn't have the potent weapons anymore that, you know, you'd need to play zone to try cover multiple sort of threats. You could just stick to your guy 
and you'd find Aaron Rodgers banging up into the stands to a four-year-old, uh, you know, more than anybody else in the NFL. So then Ryan Grant comes in and starts talking about AI and sort of saying, you know, and, and again, this is what I'm saying about the article. There are very valid points within the article and very tricky, almost rhetorical questions as to what do you do. Ryan Grant goes on kind of to say, you know, you kind of want a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers to go off and do his own thing, kind of like AI, but how do you rein that in again? Um, and then he comes in to sort of preface that and back it up by saying, as one personnel man puts it, McCarthy got full of his own juice. Now again, pretty big statement to come from a nameless source. And then it's he says on the next, now again, we're, we're on the third page of 11, I'll try breeze further, faster through it. He says, many believe Rodgers, the quarterback with the best career passer rating. Now all of this sort of many believe or one would say you would have to go back and those close to it think it's this. That bangs of people ask me how I stay so strong. This bangs of no one said it or people could have said it or it's a generic truism that's out there online so I can say it. And the thing is, I mean, if you sort of say stuff and it sort of fits with the narrative that's already pumped into the media, you can kind of get away with it because people are like, oh, yeah, and they just glaze over it as if it's true. You kind of do have to question what's fact and what's media journalism narrative. So he goes on to say, you know, no wonder the slant routes who were so lethal became extinct. And, you know, he, he sort of goes on to say more general sweeping statements backed up by the personnel man says, you know, who's that? One former Packers coach says, like, who's that? A guy who'd do that. He might screw up a play, Mike called, but you have to give him credit for the good too. And then he goes on to say that the disconnect led to tension and that a system that once seemed so unstoppable was rendered bland and archaic. Games devolved into weird contests of who could call the better play. Now, I've seen the story out there about that, but um, give me evidence for it. Does it sound plausible? Of course it does. And this is why it's kind of along the same lines of when I was bringing out the podcast about, you know, when people were drilling Mike McCarthy over and saying, you know, let Aaron Rodgers free, do what he wants to do, all this type of stuff. I was like, well, how much of it is Aaron Rodgers audibling out? There was a lot of plays that I picked out where they were he'd get the first down, but he was sort of waiting, slapping the ball, waiting for something big to happen, that he wasn't okay with the check down. So do we know that that's true? Just because it sounds true? You know, it's kind of like when people say, uh, I've heard it so many times doing exams. Oh, well, you know, when you get a question like this, most people will make the mistake and do this, but you have to, you know, if you're smart, you'll spot it and do this. And you're like, you know what? Everybody says that. Everybody thinks that everybody else makes the mistake when they don't. It's so blatantly obvious. And your mind is trained that way to think of watch out for the booby trap that nobody actually falls for it, but you just think that they do. So then it gets onto the massage part where it talks about McCarthy missing a meeting because he had a massage therapist. He said one player had the same massage therapist and she let it slip that McCarthy would sneak her up a back stairway to his office while the rest of the team prepared for this week's opponent. Um, that's pretty scurrilous and that's pretty dangerous. And if you don't, if you don't have someone who's going to come out and say, I saw it, uh, well then I'd, I would think it's dubious to release it. As well as that, he's a family man. So to come out and say that you're sneaking massage therapists up stairways and that it seems all sort of covert and all this type of stuff... You know, it's, it's kind of, it's a bit silly. Like this, McCarthy still wants another job in the NFL. He interviewed for other jobs. 
he's been interviewed and there's been direct quotes from him saying, you know, it's it's awkward to get back to this and you know, he kind of wants to get out and, and get another job and all this type of stuff. And you're you're coming out with stuff saying that the dude checked out. He couldn't motivate his team. His playbook went stale and he's old-fashioned. He's out of touch. He sneaks massage therapists up into his room to give him a massage and there's not arse going to prepare for the next meeting. Everyone in the building is talking about it. He doesn't care. And it's pretty dangerous stuff for a guy who still wants to work. So then they talk about, you know, if you, if you think of Rogers and that sort of thing to say some sources put it who's the source but to one former offensive teammate he's still by far the best like who's that teammate you know that he's still an amazing quarterback and all this type of stuff why do you need a former teammate to give you something that's quite obvious that he's still an mvp player you know trying to again kind of add more weight to something just because a player who you know was with him said and there's another one, someone says McCarthy loved anointing himself as a quarterback guru. That's speculation. Did McCarthy say it? Who said McCarthy said that? A personnel man adds, that was McCarthy's big mistake. He wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be the reason. Like, who's the personnel man? Now, he does go on and say that, you know, part of McCarthy's ethos, and this is something that's public. I mean, you can see the names changing jobs and that... Uh, you know, Grant, who again is a source, so he can say, okay, you can corroborate this and go to Grant if you wanted to. That he comes out and says that he tried to change assistance and rotate them around between positions annually. And that the players felt like it oftentimes they knew more about the position than the person coaching them. That is troublesome. And that would lead to an erosion because people don't know what to do and you need experts in there. And I think McCarthy made a big gamble uh, his last year there by bringing in you know, not necessarily Joe Philbin because he was there before, but, you know, a new quarterbacks coach, a wide receivers coach. I mean, all of these people have since moved on. It did not work. The gamble didn't work. To recycle everybody else but himself just didn't work. And the article does go on and say that, you know, there has been brain drain there, uh, leader drain where, you know, leaders have gone out the door and that originally you wouldn't have to have asked these guys or McCarthy to give the rah-rah speech. Is that, you know, you would have... Uh, you know, guys in there that would do it for you. He goes on to say, some interpreted his laissez-faire style differently. You know, that can be the phrase of the podcast. Some interpreted. I mean, who interpreted? Is this another sort of author wants you to know that this is how he feels about it and is just kind of slapping on? Oh, everybody thinks this, everyone makes this mistake. Again, one defensive starter begins a conversation by praising McCarthy, uh, but then he soon admits that the culture and still created a soft team. Now, there's no name to that one defensive starter, but um, I'd have to agree. I mean, how many times do we see Mike Daniels, you know, waxing lyrical about the team, you know, needs to be tougher? And I think that was the case. There was too many mistakes, uh, too many sort of lackadaisical performances that we physically, you know, witnessed on the field last year and a lack of leadership to give lads a kick in the arse. So I would agree, we don't know the source, but the sentiment is certainly there. Now, is that just the case that it's saying something that we saw with our own eyes? You stick at one defensive starter and all of a sudden it's meant to carry more weight? Then after that, one personnel man calls him a fake tough guy and he's talking about McCarthy. Like again, like pretty insulting stuff. Multiple sources from the team say McCarthy should have cut inept backup tight end Brandon Bostick months before. Multiple sources on the team, like who are all of these sources? And then they go on to talk about that, the, you know, the Packers rarely hit in training camp and it angered defensive players every day. Again, defensive players who? Who are the defensive players coming out and saying it? Um, and then he talks about that a player remembers teammates just outright quitting. Um, 
in 2003 and 2017 but that's something that we saw on the field we didn't need anonymous players to come out and tell us um, that they quit that's something that we definitely saw and I do agree that there was a certain softness there and that was one thing that I always wanted to ask players not that they would ever say or certainly maybe ex-players to give us their opinion was you know almost why I'd want a hard knocks episode to be in now I know that's a you know a big taboo online and no one wants the hard knocks team to go to Green Bay but I kind of like to see I kind of like to see the old guard I guess more than the new because we really don't know what's going on now and what the product is going to be but certainly the older team I'd love to know if they did shout at them from time to time because it certainly didn't seem that way from just a lack of accountability that we saw sometimes so then it says one person who used to be close to the quarterback but has since been cut out of his life <laughs> what was it like if you're being cut out of his life why don't you just come out and say it's me Again, we don't have a source for this. It's It's been given extra weight because they've been cut out of his life, which again would instantly make you sort of lean towards he's been cut out, so he's sort of bitter. So of course that they would say, but he describes that he's conflict, that Rogers is conflict averse, and uh, that he's passive aggressive to the extreme is the quote. And he'd never air stuff out with Mike McCarthy. He would literally just, you know, look at him on camera and start giving out to him. Now, how much stock you can put into that because it's one person who anonymous, blah, blah, blah. And then this is where we see Greg Jennings come into the piece. Um, and this is where Jennings re either regurgitates to the uh, journalist or whether he is literally lifting this from a Colin Cowherd interview where he says the same thing. So this is my beef with Jennings, I guess. So he talks about this instance where He's talking to Carlos Rogers, who's a cornerback for the Niners. And he asks Jennings why he's running so many short routes. And Jennings says, you know how it is, contract year. And then Rogers turns around, allegedly, and says, you guys should get him at the end of the year. And Jennings says that he was knocked back by it, he couldn't believe it, he felt scandalized and he didn't know why he'd say that and he goes on to say that he opened up his home to him and he was like family and all this type of stuff and then he says and we all know there's truth behind jokes so Aaron Rodgers comes out with seemingly one joke Jennings deems it to be true because we all know every joke is true which is false there are studies out there that say if someone sort of says, oh yeah, you know, you look kind of silly in that in that t-shirt, I'm only messing. Well then, yes, of course, there might be something behind that. But not every joke there's truth behind. So he said that he felt betrayed and that he went over and said to his position coach, Edgar Bennett, um, that he knew that this was his last year in Green Bay. So it makes it look like Rogers made one remark and that Jennings sort of threw in the tail and said, right, that's it. I knew this was my last year. After he said that, that's it. I'm done. And I went over and said to him, right, this is my last year. Now, I'm not defending Rodgers and I don't even know if all of this happened. But what I would say is, is if the, if the way it sounds actually happened, that there was one comment that rubbed Jennings up the wrong way. I mean, did he have it out with Aaron Rodgers at the time? He talks about later on in the piece about, you know, that he went up to Rodgers and tried to clear the air after. But it sounds like it since he's been in the media and he was backstabbing him when he left the team anyway, which was way back when. So if you're a person who said that, you know, you thought the world of somebody that, what did he say? He'd opened his family's front door to Rodgers for Thanksgiving for any day he'd ever want. 
because he knew his quarterback was alone in a new city. If you're going to be that compassionate and he comes out with one phrase that really pisses you off mid-game and you're really going to say, well, I knew my, that was my last year, went over to him, said to him, this is my headspace, that's it, I'm gone. I mean, you're kind of thinking, all right, but then did you give up then? You know, I mean, did you did you fall out with your quarterback at that stage and that he was kind of like, well, this lad's given up. And then the two of his rat loggerheads? It seems immature to me. Um, and if you're going to go around sort of, you know, bitching in the media when you go to a different team and also then you make it your kind of identity in the media that if you want some nice sound bites to, to bash Aaron Rodgers that you're on hand to give it, I don't think it's a good look. Then the author goes on to say, this is my favourite one, but a faction of people who've spent time around Rodgers and the Packers, a faction. Like a small Green Bay army. <laughs> who've been around them like he's talking to factions of people but can't get one name and they says then they list the reasons why he's self-entitled and it goes on and you know i really don't know whether this is the author's opinion again at this stage or whether this is the faction and who are the faction and then he brings in finley and i love it because at the end of the piece he sort of starts to roll back a little bit and he sort of says you know, an ex-Packers coach, which again, like, you know, take it with a pinch of salt, says F these guys <laughs> about Finley and Jennings. Because as I said, I mean, they've made it their identity to just be the ones who bash Rodgers all the time. You know, come out with like, oh, he's a great quarterback, but also he's, you know, this, that and the other. Then it comes out and says, one former Packers scout says that Rodgers can be brutally tough on young players. Um, Who's that scout? Can we stand by it? Can we verify it? You know, and as well as that, like Aaron Rodgers gets criticized here for not being a leader. But then when the article tries to vilify him for being tough on young players who they, you know, kind of need that to shape up. Um, and they talk about how he's passive aggressive and he doesn't speak up and all the rest. And all of a sudden he's too hard on players, you know. And then they go on and talk about Jeff Janis and how that he sort of scapegoated him and all of that. And it kind of tries to add in this thing of, what does it say? Yeah. And the tough part is Janice is actually a good person that's something we can verify we met jeff janice when we went over to green bay seemed like a really nice guy but if he's running poor routes um, and he can't do what he's supposed to do in the football field it doesn't matter if he is the nicest guy in the world if he can't do his job well then he's not going to be targeted it's as simple as that now do i think aaron Rodgers has trust issues when it comes to players yeah i mean we can see that in the likes of how many times Devontae adams was targeted last year how many times he's targeted anyway and how much he went to Randall Cobb and, and um, Jordy Nelson when he had them and didn't go for the young guys even when you see them streaking across open in the in the field. So that's true. But to talk about this sort of stuff like, you know, Jennings was a good guy and or Janice was a good guy and, you know, it's, it's poor the way he treated him. All right, I do not condone whatsoever, you know, putting someone in the doghouse and being crappy to them, right? That's not on. But I'm not saying that that went on here. But who's Janice playing for now? You know, I mean, should have we should we have kept them around? So yeah, it's after this that Jennings starts raising that uh you know, he reached out to Rogers and he says, you know, sensitive is sensitive, but you hear what you want to hear, you perceive what you want to perceive, and nothing else matters. So he's he's sort of talking about that he tried to reach out to Rogers and you know he wouldn't get through to him, that he just sort of blanked him. But again, I mean it's up to you at that point, I guess, to cut somebody out as being negative in your life, and Jennings certainly did that. There's an awful lot of gracious people. There's all of this sort of unsubstantiated stuff about how, you know, Rogers was given out to, to people who would go up to ex-teammates and Jennings and talk to him because he was like, why are you talking to that guy and all the rest? 
again, like, how do we know if any of that's true? Because he doesn't actually put a name to any of it. And then it's... See, they sort of create this parallel between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And that Brady, you know... What did he say? Brady has cultivated, uh, you know, a relationship with Julian Edelman and with all of his receivers. Everybody wants that. And these two spend two, you know, time together off the field. And they kind of sort of look at Rodgers and say, you know, he doesn't do that. And look, Brady's won Super Bowls. <laughs> what did he say? Um, Brady builds bonds for life. And that can be the difference between division titles and Super Bowls between Brady's legacy and Rogers' legacy. So he's actually saying, if you make mates with your wide receivers, you win Super Bowls. If you're, not, if you're not that great, if you don't make bonds with them for life, if you don't continue to talk about them after they backstab you in the media, well, you're probably not going to win a Super Bowl. And that's just how it goes. <laughs> I don't understand the correlation at all. And then it's not like, um, so it goes on to say some around the Packers wonder if this absence of family is affecting Rogers. One former Packers personnel man describes him as someone who's really into his feelings. So this piece goes on to into the, just some random idle speculation into the psyche of Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers knows his own psyche. I don't know if I know mine. We all think we do. But to talk about and to try add weight to it again by saying someone who worked for the Packers thinks Aaron Rodgers feels... I mean, you can't say that. And then the article goes on to say from Jermichael Finley that A-Rod wants his. He wants to eat. He cares about his yards, his completions. He's going to have a hard time. That's like an addict. And he sort of draws this parallel between, you know, caring about his stats. So he sort of talks about how, you know, McCarthy tried to tell Rogers what to do about his mother and Rogers didn't want to open up personally to him and tell him to go away. Now, when McCoy, now again, whether you believe any of this stuff or not, um, Rogers came out after McCarthy was sacked and said that they'd sit in his office for hours and just talk about life and that it wasn't even about football, it was about life. So, I mean, how direct a source do you need? Now, was Rogers trying to safe face because in the media at the time he was being blamed for the downfall of the Packers to a degree and for getting McCarthy fired potentially yeah can we believe everything Roger says as well like who knows in this pure driven world where everyone's trying to watch their own arse you never know but Finley who's been away since for how long you know I was coming out and sort of saying that you know these these are the way these two lads were this is apparently what he said to him I mean like how does this lad know Sources say McCarthy welcomed Rogers over to his house and once even recommended he pick up the phone to his mother. You know, like, it's not going to make any friends anyway if we bring up Rogers' family in an article because we know he's staunchly private and he doesn't like this stuff being brought up. So then it sort of goes on to talk about how there's been, you know, sort of leader drain. Um, and he says, as one player put it, who... Thompson assumed the Packers system was automatic and he could just plug cheap rookies in. Like, the thing is, like... There's an element of bad drafting, for sure. Um, there's drafting of players that don't work. Um, but to, you know, to, to sort of, to pin it all on Ted Thompson or Mark Murphy or whoever, to say that, you know, these lads left and there was no one to replace them and it was their fault. Like, surprise, surprise, right? Players get younger and you have to let players go. Players become too expensive. You'll also have players who don't fit a certain system. So you'll have Micah Hyde, who was great for the Packers, but was, if you look at the rankings of where they played him, he was like really middle of the field, according to rankings. Then he left and did well. I mean, that comes down to system, you know, it comes down to willingness and all of this. There's a lot of factors that are in it. Now, I'm not, I'm not absolving the Packers from, from it and sort of saying that it's not their fault. Like, But I'm just saying it's not as simple as 
Like, oh, look at all these guys that they let go. I mean, there were some players that were said to be toxic to the locker room. So whether you want to keep those lads around. So maybe that was sound management of the Packers to let them go. And then those other players that just were, it was their time to go. So you can't pin it all on Ted Thompson and say, you know, oh, it could have been all great, but he let all these players go. I mean, you're talking about offensive linemen who were banged up, who allegedly had toxic attitudes, who, you know. So then he goes on and says, uh, we're eight pages in now of an 11, so we're, we're nearing the end. Um, at its best, the Lambo mystique during the Rodgers-McCarthy era looked like this. Rodgers fakes a handoff, Rodgers boots, chucks at 60 yards, a wide-open receiver, beers are still banging the drum all day. And then he goes on to sort of say, like, you know, it got ugly and all this type of stuff. But then he says, whose ever fault it was, it got ugly in 2018. So, like, he spent, you know, seven and a half pages trying to pin it on two people. And then says, well, whoever's fault it is. And you're kind of like, bro, if you're going to bring in so many anonymous sources and so much stuff about how he's got the lowest football IQ, which is insane to say. Um, and then you're going to say, well, whoever fault this was, <laughs> you know. But I do agree that, um, you know, it was time to move on. Look, if it was a case that Aaron Rodgers was deliberately trying to undermine Mike McCarthy, that's a bad situation. An absolute black stain on the career of Aaron Rodgers, for sure. Um, but if that didn't happen, I mean, stuff gets stale anyway. Personal relationships get stale. Friendships get stale. Uh, you know, you can be working at a company for too long and, you know, working with the same team members for too long. And even you can all get along, but maybe it's bad for productivity. It's bad for efficiency. You just don't see how stuff can be done better. I mean, that's just a fact of life. So I agree with the article when it sort of talks about, you know, that the message is stale and that you had to move on. For sure. And I said that at the time. And even when McCarthy was still at the helm, I said, you know, sometimes it just stops working and you just need a fresh message then it starts getting into idle speculation of one source with close ties who's that a source close to the team says saint brown who's that and then it said and i love these ones um as much as he wanted to follow mccarthy's play design he also heard rumors of rogers freezing out teammates if they didn't do exactly what he demanded so now not only has it got from sources that the the author of the article could definitely have could be real sources could be definitely people that work there who don't want to be named because they don't want to scuttle their their chances um but now it's getting into rumor talk and speculation i don't like it now again is it new in journalism no oscar wilde when he died um in paris a broken man um in the new york times at the time we're talking over what's that 100 115 years it said that he died of, you know, and they, they start mentioning analysis, I think meningitis that they use. Um, but they said there was rumours that also he took his own life. <laughs> I mean, and the guy's dead. I mean, you know, to come out with an article about speculation, especially the taboo around stuff like that too, actually, when, you know, all those years ago, to come out with something like, this is the medical reason why they said he died, but here's some idle speculation thrown in too. I mean, it's not great. Is it a, is it a new thing what the, the guy did in this article? No. But this is the point, really, is that do, what what is the truth? I mean, do we know that Aaron Rodgers was freezing out players? No. Um, do we know that he was changing the plays regularly? Uh, yeah, we, we kind of do. And we know that the contempt he had by what Mercedes Lewis and all that stuff was saying. 
um, but we know that he was doing it consistently um, and who's privy to that information and the thing is we really don't know uh, who's to blame be it McCarthy's play calling be it Rogers changing plays and then McCarthy getting done for but one thing I will say whatever it was and if that was the case McCarthy never threw Rogers under the bus and came out at a press conference and said well he keeps changing my plays now you could say yeah of course he's not going to say it because then it actually makes him look bad because it's going to show that he has no control over his own locker room but at the same time I mean you know the writing was effectively on the wall and we heard you know Rob Domofsky on the podcast talk about how when Rogers came out in that Bills game and started talking about the play calling and was deemed to have thrown McCarthy um under the bus is that he was going around with his shoulders down and there was kind of a different mood and atmosphere about the place and it was the beginning of the end. So then let's talk about a source close to the team says that Rogers effed McCarthy over, who's the source. A source who was once close to Rogers, who's the source. Um a source close to one of the team's skill positions that like they start getting longer. A source close to one of the team's skill position starters. My aunt's uncle's best friend's dog's girlfriend's friends who's also friends with the budgie. I mean, you know, you're getting kind of into crazy stuff now. But it goes on to talk about how, you know, MVS was running routes and that Rogers wanted to change them. MVS ran them as a position coach wanted him to run them. And because he didn't do exactly as Rogers told him that Rogers started to freeze him out. Now, this source says that he's close to MVS. I just hope for MVS's sake that he didn't leak info like this to somebody who would then go on and blab their mouth to somebody else. Because what I will say is, is that if this is true, the people that know it's true are Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know if he's read the article, but if he's read it and if MVS has read it and both of them recognize this to be true, even though I want to call BS on it. If they know it's true between themselves, well, then MVS screwed in a way. Because Rogers is going to say, well, this is how you feel and this is what actually happened and you're going to go and tell us to somebody and get that out there that I'm this type of guy. Um, you know, it's a bad situation to be in. So then it goes on just to say, you know, Ryan Grant comes in and says that he doesn't blame Rogers or McCarthy but admits that so many seasons with the same coach can turn the coach's voice into white noise and that change was needed. Again, the danger of repeating myself, I agree. If you look at any sport, um, particularly sport, but it can work in any sort of areas in life. If you look at um, caddies, I mean, a, a golfer will change his caddy and they're, they're being successful. Rory McIlroy famously did it. Every golfer does it in time. Um, some golfers, when they start doing poorly, other golfers, for seemingly innocuous reasons, well, they're falling out, but also some when they're doing well and they just say, I need to change. Now, whether that's if you believe what they say, I don't know. The best quote ever, though, and the most honest thing that I've ever heard Finley say is in the article when he says that McCarthy used to bring him in and say it's it's a it's time to catch the effing ball. <laughs> now, that's something you can observe. I mean, Finley dropped the ball a lot. Now, the only thing that I will say is that there's speculation at the very end of this piece, and I'm nearly done. And it talks about, you know, will it? it and I've highlighted this: Will Aaron Rodgers be the problem? I don't think he will. Um, and I think for a number of reasons. I mean, if the relationship did go stale, and an awful lot of this is you know truthful and they were being awkward together and the, you know it just it was a bad situation and it was unprofessional and all the rest of that type of stuff Um, i think anybody with a grain of intelligence will realize that if the perceived problem is gone and even if that isn't the problem but i mean you know so let's just say for argument's sake aaron Rodgers has been difficult Mike McCarthy goes and then Aaron Rodgers continue to be difficult and makes life difficult for LaFleur. 
Um, and it goes on to say that, oh, Jennings recognizes, what did Rogers come out and said? It says that he says, oh yeah, it's difficult, you know, change is difficult. And they say, oh, well, Jennings could read between the lines basically and sort of know that he's going to make life hard for LaFleur. Well, you know, you'd sort of think, well, Rogers really needs to take stock of if he does that and it doesn't go well, well then it's like anything else. It's like when you go and search for a problem in a car and you say, it could be one of two pieces. I'll remove this one first and see if it works. And if you remove that piece and it still doesn't work, well, then you deem it to be the other one. So that's exactly what's going to happen. So if Rogers does decide to be spiky and to make it not work, you could point like you could point and say, well, it's still not Rogers. But how much capital does Rogers have? Articles like this particularly damage his reputation too, if you were to take it on face value and not look behind all the massive amounts. Just basically at every line an anonymous source is that you would have to say, you know, how much trust and how much capital does he have for people to go, no, it's not him. Because there are grumblings all around Green Bay, especially when you'd see Aaron Rodgers miss checkdowns and, and open throws. Um, and it goes back as far as when we got waxed by Dallas a couple of years ago when we went over with the trip. I mean, there was people talking in the bar after saying, you know, Rodgers could be past it at this stage. That's how far back this goes. So, you know, I guess over here, sometimes we can be caught up in the bubble that no, nobody thinks that. But there are plenty of people who say that Rodgers was the problem, even back as, as far as that. So the piece goes on then to raise sort of a valid point about, you know, if you want to give a guy a green light and to do what he wants to do, especially if he's proficient as Aaron Rodgers, but then you want to criticize him for doing it then how do you balance both? And that's a million-dollar question, really. Then the piece ends with, you know, Rodgers is frustrated. Um, but that's all speculation. So that piece, in a nutshell, no sources but two players who are renowned for negative commentary around the Packers. They undoubtedly have insight, but that's eroded by the fact that they've came out and bashed before. And also, Finley has some very questionable views on some other issues that he's had on twitter related to the packers but also just related to life to be honest and it's stuff that when i read i was just appalled by ryan grant comes out and seems to be kind of the voice of reason that anchors that piece and then the rest of it is solely based on one personnel player whose mother's cat was friends with roger's dog um and then other ones of sources now the thing is it's a it's a long form piece it's 11 pages printed um it's a it's a fierce, you know, thumb ache when you're scrolling down through it on the phone. And it could have a fantastic insight into the workings behind the scenes. But what where it really falls down is is the amount of unnamed sources that you just can't corroborate or stand by. And I just think the amount of cheap stuff of one player says blur, you know, and it comes out with some sort of just because a player played or knew him. This is how Rogers thinks. They have as much knowledge as what we have. Because they haven't been around them for so many years. Jennings, by his own admission, he reaches out and gets blanked. So it's just rehashing the same old stuff, if you ask me. Anyway, that's my two cents. I was going to end the podcast on uh, another sort of uh, piss-take rap of... Um, maybe I might do it in time, actually, so I won't say. So... A big shout out to all the people that contacted me on DM, by the way. I did say last week, if you have any uh, points to raise around that you want to talk to me about, I'd love going back and forward on DM. So big shout out to uh, Steve, you know who you are. Not me, I'm not talking to myself. Um, Nigel, good talking to you. Rob, always funny receiving messages from you. Um, Mark, um, 
and everybody else has gotten contact. We do have people increasingly asking about the the tour, and um, so we're going to be bringing tour packages out the minute the schedule uh, launches. We just don't know the dates and locations of the games, and we did get questions about are we going to be doing two, three game packages. Um, the standard is usually we fly out of a Friday and come back of a Monday and then you can extend that either way. You can sort of customize it completely to how you want. And also we'll hope to get two game packages also. That usually happens when we have a game on Sunday and the following Thursday if it's not an away game. Even though that is also an option to be able to travel to a different city and catch that game. But hopefully I didn't bore you guys. And for anybody who hasn't read the article, that's basically it in a nutshell. Um, if you want to read it for yourself, by all means, uh, disregard my opinion and go read it for yourself and let me know what you think. And of course, anybody else who wants to hit me up on DM, I absolutely love hearing from you guys. Um, so just hit me up at NFL, Um is probably the preferred method or info at ukpackers.co.uk. There's also a message and service on the site, ukpackers.co.uk. So follow us on Instagram, at ukpackers. If you want to hit us up on Patreon, we have multiple tiers that you can get your free t-shirt. It's patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. And of course, there's the Facebook groups and the closed Facebook group as well for all of that banter that you can get into um, Packer fans only. Doesn't matter where you're from. You don't have to be from the UK. And you can apply for your own UK Packers membership number two. But anyway, I'm going to call it a day for this week. Um, it was great talking to you and I'll talk to you next week.